everyone's got your Bibles. We are going to be in Matthew. But uh, I want to thank Christian for sharing last week. It really was a great message that he shared. And, you know, it really resonated with me all week. And that's what I really love about a good sermon or a good message, is each day as I face the different things that we face, all of us face, that we can see and reflect back to that message. And it was simple, right? It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And for many days, as I went through each different thing, I just kept popping in my head. The Holy Spirit kept bringing it up. It's not about you, Aaron. It's about me. It's not about you, Aaron. It's about me. And if I can keep that right there, boy, things go a lot better in my life. It's amazing. And that, that message really just resonated with me. And, you know, it was, it was great. So Jesus, as we see, you know, he's been teaching the Sermon on the Mount. As we st- started that in Matthew chapter 5, Christian kind of got his knee deep into that. And it started with the Beatitudes. So as we started that, if you're in Matthew, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, we learned last week, starting that, and the week before really, the week before that we are blessed by God. And, you know, there's, I've been hearing a lot of this lately. There's been a lot of difficulties going on, a lot of hardships, a lot of different things going on. But even as we walk through these different hardships or these different difficult times that we face as the world pours these things out on us, Jesus promised in these passages that we will inherit the kingdom of God. So we know that. We know how it's all going to work out. We know how this is going to end. But during these times that we have to walk through this world, as Christians, we are promised in the word we saw that we will be comforted, that we will even have satisfaction we saw that we will each be shown mercy and that we, as we know God, and that we will be called the children of God. You know, the end part of that, though, was kind of the end part was we will face persecution. But just as the prophets did, just as Jesus did, just as the apostles did, he says we also will face persecution. Yet, he gave us a promise, didn't he? He said we can have joy even leaping for joy as we endure this, knowing that our award awaits us in heaven. So these lessons were given to us as we started to go through Matthew chapter 5, then verses 1 through 12. But then Christian taught last week on salt and light in verses 13 through 15. Who remembers that teaching from Christian? Christian asked us some questions. I don't know if you remember. He asked, are each of us being the ones who preserve the gospel? The ones that bring the gospel in such a way that it's desirable? Are you being the salt of the earth? He asked us. So how's that been this week? Are you being the salt of the earth? Are you bringing the gospel to people? Are you being a light that draws people to know the truth of who Jesus Christ is? Is that how you describe your week? It's a great reminder. It's a great message that Christian brought. It's not about us, but it's all about Jesus. Now, as we continued, it gets into the law. I'm kind of doing a quick recap in verses 17 through 20, Matthew chapter 5. And as we look at that, I think we also need a little context to remember that this book was primarily written to the Jewish people. We know this. So they believed that through the law... And through the obedience of these said commands, that one could be righteous. They didn't really understand the law, did they? They didn't really see the heart behind the law and why it was given. 
didn't understand it. And Jesus, if you look at uh, verse 17, it says, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So now today, Jesus is going to continue to teach about the law and what it means for each one of us, even today, to follow it. And we will learn more about the heart behind these commandments or these laws that were given. Also, Jesus is going to remind us about the penalty. The penalty for not obeying the law. So as we learn about this, I want to ask you a question. What should be the proper or the result of a proper understanding of the law? What should be your reaction or your understanding if you properly understand the law? What should happen? Think about that as we grow through this. Reflect on this question. So we're going to begin today in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. So right away in this passage, I see that a ten, one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, or thou shalt not kill. I'm going to go King James. We're all familiar with these. We know they're in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. You must not murder. So Jesus has taken us back right away to the law that God gave the people through Moses. Now as we go through the next several weeks and even several months, Jesus is going to continue to teach the heart of these different commands He's given, the heart of these Ten Commandments. So I want to make sure that we today all understand this commandment that Jesus is referring to today. We're going to look at one today. So what does it mean? You should not murder. What do you think that means? It also, there's another part of it. It says, you will be subject to judgment. He says. What does that mean? Is Maybe another question too is, is killing or taking another's life murder? Is killing a person or taking another person's life necessarily murder? What, what would define murder? I mean, this is what he's talking about. If one is protecting oneself or others or their family and he kills someone, is that murder? I think what really gets to this, what is murder, is what's behind the action, the outward action of murder. What's behind that? I looked it up in the Webster's, the one we all use, and I'm going to try to read this definition. There's a lot of big words in it, and my voice is already going. Uh, so I'm going to read it to you. It's going to be on the screen, so you can read it with me. It should be on there. So I'm going to read it up. The definition of murder is, I believe, it's 1828 Webster's. We all use it. The act of unlawfully killing a human being with premeditated malice by a person of sound mind to constitute murder in law, the person killing another must be of sound mind or in possession of his reason. And the act must be done with malice, prepense, a forethought, or premeditated, but malice may be implied as well as expressed. It seems to me... If we were to look up that word to murder someone, it would begin with a sin in a person's heart. As I believe this definition does reveal. Murder is an outward physical sin. We know this. Everybody knows what murder is. It's punishable by an outward physical judgment, isn't it? Even today. 
imprisonment, possible even death. Depends on the situation. So murder we know is a sin. And murder will lead to spiritual death because it is a sin, which is separation from God. So what would lead, this is where I think we start to get into this, what would lead a person to commit murder? As you think about this, let's look at verse 22. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in the dangers of the fires of hell. As I read my NLT translation, it says idiot. It's kind of a, I, I looked at the, most of your words uh, has this word that nobody knows what it means if you look if you're reading your Bible. So I looked it all up and the definition of the word actually is in a line with that, even though it sounds kind of funny. But anyways, Jesus turns now from murder, this outward sin, the physical, this physical action or act to inward. And this is for all of us to our hearts. Our thoughts, our minds, our reactions, sin. And I see in this verse, as I read this, I see a progression even. As he gives these different examples, I see a progression, as we so often see in sin. So he begins with the word anger. That's the first one we see. So have any of you ever been angry with someone? No. All right. Well, there's, you broke two, you broke two commandments by that one. Thou shalt not lie either. <laughs> so I think every single person has been experienced anger. What does this look like when we think about this? I mean, obviously, we're not talking about leading such anger to murder, but what does the anger look like in your life? I wondered also, and I looked at it, wanted to know, because this is the real topic of this, right? As we get into this anger, Jesus is talking about. So I wanted a definition. What is anger? Is it emotion? Is it an action? What is anger? Is it? A, it's a sin. We're clear. I'm not going to mistake that. But what does that look like? Is it just something that goes on in your mind and you think all these thoughts? Or does it sometimes, is anger like when you like punch your fist against a wall? Or maybe you just need to go on a big, for me, even anger. Sometimes I go on angry runs. Maybe it sounds silly to some of you. For me, it's like I'll be just having a rotten day and I'll be angry and I'll go for a run. I tell you what, I got some of my best times when I run angry sometimes. It sounds silly, but and then when I get back, I just be, you know, I get over it. And I talk to God a lot about it in that time. So, but what is anger? I'm going to read you a long definition. I'm, I might abbreviate a little bit. Again, my voice is not going to last this whole time. But I want to, I think it's important because this entire message is about anger and sin. So what is anger? Here's Webster's, again, says it's a violent passion of the mind, excited by real or supposed injury. That's important right there. Real or supposed injury. You catch that? Usually accomplished with propensity, I don't know how you say that word, to take vengeance or to obtain satisfaction from the offending party. This passion, however, varies in degrees of violence and in, in Genuous minds may be attended only with a desire to reprove or chide the offender. Anger is also excited by an injury offered to a relation, friend, or party to which one is attached. You see that, what they said there? I mean, it's kind of some big words, but it's really saying that likely we're going to be angry with the ones we love. Does that make sense? I think we can all understand that. 
Funny how that works. Not really funny, but continues. And to some degree of it may be excited by cruelty, injustice, or oppression offered to those with whom one has no immediate connection, or even to the community of which one is a member. Nor is it unusual to see something of this passion roused by gross absurdities in others, especially in controversy or discussion. Anger may be inflamed till it rises to rage and temporary delirium. That's a big definition, huh? Anger is interesting, isn't it? I think the one thing I see, the word I see a lot is passion. Isn't that interesting? Passion. And then I saw also in that definition, it says also it's often offered to the ones closest to us. That's true, isn't it? In our, like, we always lash out so often the ones we are closest to us. That's really sad, but it is very true. So again, I see as reading this definition that anger often takes place inwardly. And it isn't always, ready for this? Anger is not always backed up by truth. That definition even said that. First thing, says a violent passion of the mind excited by real or supposed injury. So often, when we become very anger, angry, how we justify it very often is not even true. This is spiritual warfare, right? See, a lot of times it's by lies of Satan that brings on anger. Then it says if it continues, which I've experienced, if you allow this continue, it builds, it progresses, and it can even be built into rage, and then it can, the whole time being a sin, by the way, that doesn't change. Sin is sin. But then it can even go outward. Anger. Have you ever had anger expressed outwardly? As we just talked about, it happens. Every, many people are different, right? We all respond differently. Me, I mean, I've been from wanting to punch the punching bag to maybe even a person to even going out and extra, maybe a, a better outlet is to go run. But there's lots of other ways. Um, my wife could probably tell you better than I could how I express that at times, honestly. I want to read this Matthew 5.22 in a different translation. NET. I don't know how many are familiar with the any T version of the Bible. It's a direct translation. It's a great translation. I really like it. It's my main study Bible that I use. And I want to read this because I, I think it gives us, um, it's a little harder to understand when you read it or speak it, but it gives a great definition. I want to read it to you. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with a brother will be subjected to judgment. And whoever insults a brother will be brought before the council. And whoever says fool will be sent to fiery hell. So I went from paraphrased New Living Translation to direct translation in ET. You know what was exactly the same? The judgment. Fiery hell as a result of sin, which is anger. Interesting. And also what I do see in both the translations that I read, and I will mention this, some of you have different translations. I see no and I repeat, no justification given to us that allows us to be angry with anyone for any reason. I know some of your translations have a little clause in there, and I disagree with it. My, the translations I'm using, there is no justification for ever being angry. That We're not allowed. It's sin. In fact, I want to look at a verse. Turn to James. James chapter 1, 119 through 21. Understand this, 
My dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Flip back to Matthew chapter 5. Look back again at that verse, 522. We talked about anger, but I see two other progressions in there. First, we know if this anger is manifested in our hearts, then we may lash out to a person. We may call them names. Mine says, idiot. We will be held accountable before the Lord for our actions. If we continue in this anger, now we've lashed out, then we even come to the point, it says in the Scripture, that we would even curse that person. It's the word it uses. Then again, this is sinful. And then he says there's judgment. He uses the word fires of hell. That's, that's like strong language. It's really strong language. And we're talking about anger that every single person has raised their hand and said, I've experienced. It's interesting. You know, you think... Oh, a murderer, right? I mean, this is what Jesus is after. Like, you think, that murderer is going to face the fires of hell. And Jesus is like, no. Yes, that's true. But if you even experience anger without the grace of Jesus Christ, you will face eternity in hell. This is where Jesus comes in. This is all pointing back to Jesus. Always. So Jesus is very, very bold in calling out this sin of anger and the judgment that will come from it. I mean, it's bold. Oh, look at another verse. First John. 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But if a person who has no love is still dead, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. It's pretty clear, isn't it? And you know that murderers don't have eternal life with them. This is a big deal. Jesus goes right at the root, the core or the cause of this. This, you know, they're, they're worried about the outward sin and Jesus goes right for the heart, right for the heart of the matter in all of us, clearly stating that sin for each of us begins in our hearts and then can manifest in these different actions. So turn back to Matthew chapter five. Let's look at verses 23 through 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. I want to read that again. I want to read that one part really closely. Think about this. It says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. That's not kind of what you would think, is it? Usually you would think, what if you had someone against someone else? No, that's not what it said. Jesus explains again that sin is inward. Not just outwards. It begins in our hearts. And this inward sin of anger has judgment. So knowing this, he instructs us, each one of us, every one of us, how we are then to present ourselves to Jesus. 
each one of us knows, we read this here, and I think we're familiar, that we each of us must examine ourselves before offering a sacrifice. What do you mean a sacrifice? I don't know anyone here offering sacrifices at the temple. So we don't offer physical sacrifices today, do we? Not in the sense that he was talking about. So what does that look like today? How do we offer sacrifices today? What's that look like for each one of you? Third in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Uh, verse 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we're commanded through Scripture, each one of us, as followers of Jesus, to offer ourselves as a daily living sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I when I get up in the morning, my goal each morning, even before I read the Bible, say, Lord, here I am. I come before you this morning. I offer myself. I offer you my life to you, Lord. Please just use me today. And then in the, each evening, when I lay my head down, I should examine my life as a Christian as I walk through and say, Lord, do I have anything against a brother or sister? Have I sinned today? Is there any repentance needed? Or does someone, wait, wait, does someone have something against me? This one's a little tricky, isn't it? What? A little tricky. So we offer ourselves daily to God as a living sacrifice. But the scripture says that if we're to offer ourselves as a sacrifice, we must examine ourselves daily. Asking that the Holy Spirit would reveal to each one of us, is there, again, is there any sin in our lives? We want to be, we want that sacrifice to be offered in an acceptable way. So is there any sin in our life? Again, does anyone have anything against us? Each and every day. Because we need to have reconciliation if there is something against us. So that we can offer ourselves as acceptable before the Lord for His use. You know, next week, we mentioned in the announcements, we'll take communion. You guys hear me every time we take communion. I say, please, we as a church come together we examine ourselves. You know, we look to see what Jesus has done for each one of us. We take a personal inventory of our life. We see, is there anything in our lives that is not pleasing to God? Then I tell you, I said, if you need to walk out the door right now and go deal with that, go deal with it. If you need to get it, talk to your wife or your spouse, deal with it now. Settle it before you take communion. It's the same thing Jesus asks us to do each and every day. Before we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, we need to examine our own walk as Christians and see it should be done daily. It isn't just before communion. Communion is a special time as the church comes together as a body. But it's saying to do this individually each and every day. I think it's amazing. And it reminds me to do this. And I, you know, some days I'm not perfect. Um, I get woke up or something. But each day you wake up in the morning, you dedicate your life to the Lord. You say, Lord, I'm here. Use me. At night you do an inventory, you come before the Lord. And you, if you got something, you better take care of it. It says before you lay your head on that pillow, take care of it. If it's with your family, with your whatever it is, take care of it. We're not perfect, by the way. <laughs> We're not perfect, but there's the mark for us. Again, 
Jesus is, he teaches us that we must repent of our sins before presenting ourselves for his work. But what about that other one? I keep going back to it. That verse says that someone has something against you. How does that work? Maybe someone has something against you and you had nothing to do with it. That's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, I would, how would you even know? I don't know if you have something against me. Maybe I, maybe I did something to you and I didn't even know it and I offended you somewhere or it caused you to stumble and I didn't even know it. It ha- I know it. Yeah, I mean, we could hear that. It could happen, right? I mean, I could say some up here. Someone's like, well, that's offensive. I don't know. So I think what we need to do on this, when I read this, I think it is clear that we need to ask the Holy Spirit to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Say, Holy Spirit, please, each and every day, if I have done something against another brother or sister that has caused them to have something against me, or maybe if I did sin even, or did something, I, you know, you don't always know when you do things. I mean, seek the Lord and say, Lord, please reveal this to me so I can seek reconciliation with that person, even if I didn't have anything to do with it. I think it's interesting. So I think the Holy Spirit can reveal that to us and show us. And so we can have right relationships with others. Jesus instructs us to have all of our relationships in order. First with him, but then with the church and those around us. And this is what we need to do before we offer ourselves to him. I don't know, interesting. Let's look at verses 25 through 26. When you are on your way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to the officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. There's a little lesson in this, and I think it's a really important lesson. Jesus has given us further instructions. If you have issues with somebody or something, settle it quickly. Right? Even if it's nothing to do with you, even if it's not your fault, because this goes back. Even if you, it's nothing, like, you didn't even do it, maybe. Settle it quickly. Do not delay. We must deal with any differences that we have as soon as possible. Or, what happens? What happens if we don't take every possible step to avoid from a situation getting bigger and bigger and bigger and nastier and nastier? It grows. We talked about this anger. You know, maybe it's not even in you. Maybe it's someone else, but it grows. It festers. It gets worse. Man, deal with this stuff right away as quick as possible. And that's great marital advice even. I mean, it's, it's, it's relationship advice. Jesus tells us clearly, deal with this. Otherwise, this situation got extreme. But it can. Because often when there's a problem between two people, even if you believe you're right, it's always, always better just to humble yourself Find that reconciliation because if you don't, that problem is going to turn into something much bigger with results that are going to be very unpleasant and even a bad testimony. Even a bad testimony. So we've learned about this teaching here. I've kind of gone through it pretty quickly. It's been an interesting week for me. Trying to get a better understanding of this Ten Commandment. As he said, thou shalt not murder, but if you even have anger in your hearts... You've broken the law. You've broken the commands. And you're in the need of a Savior. It always points back to Jesus. This again, this commandments they were given to show us that we are in the need of a Savior. Showing us that without Jesus, we're hopeless. I want to share a quote from Chuck Smith. 
He said the purpose of the law wasn't to, to save us. It was to show us that we can't save ourselves. The truth is, sin starts in our hearts. Actions follow, but it starts in our heart. By looking at the heart, Jesus has let us know that we are all guilty. It isn't just those people. It is all of us. We need help. Now, I've had a difficult few weeks. I've dealt with a lot of anger and frustration myself, and then i got to teach on it. It's interesting, my anger and my frustration, though. It's interesting because if I was to justify it, listen to this. I have a very deep heart and passion to share the hope of Jesus with the lost world. I really do. And it's spiritual. I mean, I have a deep passion. And I have a deep passion. I love to study the Word of God. I love to share the Word of God. I love to teach people the Word. I love to, so we can each find out how each of us are going to go out there and live out our lives as Christians. I have had so many obstacles come in my way the last few weeks. From It started back a while ago. I shared about spiritual warfare a few weeks ago. But from I hurt my back really bad. I mean, I like could not walk for like two days. And then... I got sick. Then I got sick again. And this has prevented me from doing the things that I believe the Lord has called me to do. From even going to Bible study, from studying the Word, to preparing for Sunday. Like I don't, like normally when I prepare for Sunday, I spend at least 10, 12 hours. Like this week I didn't able to put that much time, but I think the Lord honors that in some ways when we do that. But I would, you know, I couldn't even, like yesterday I spent all day in bed. I was just praying my voice would hold up today. But because, for me, of not being able to go out and live out what I believe the calling that the Lord has placed on me, I become very frustrated. I become frustrated because I can't do the Lord's work. Well, that sounds like a good justification, huh? No. No, 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 no. This is warfare for me. It's warfare. Satan gets a hold of that and just starts speaking all sorts of ugly lies to me. Even telling me that if God had really called you to do all these things, He'd prevent you from always getting sick. Preventing you from always hurting your back where you're down for two days in bed. I mean, lies, right? It's just lies from the pit of hell. But I'm telling you, I start getting angry. Like, I, I'm the worst patient when I'm sick. Because I want to, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm go, go, go. People, I say, I probably shouldn't even go as much as I go. I get angry and frustrated really bad when I'm sick. Because I got stuff to do. I got things to go, you know, I got stuff to do. This anger is sinful and it affects my relationships with, what did we say, with who usually? Those closest to us. My wife, my children, my team. I am, it's bad. And I tell you what, I, I can't, I can't overcome this on my own. I can't. It does draw me to my knees. It draws me to Jesus. Draws me to pray, to surrender to Him and say, Lord, I don't know why I'm sick. I don't know why I can't do these things that I know You've called me to do because I keep getting sick. But Lord, I just give it to You and I trust You. and I know You're sovereign. And Lord, if I need a day off, I need a day off. I don't know. But as I face this anger and frustration, frustration is my big one. It's, you know, if you want to, one thing I struggle with, it's frustration, which then frustration can turn to anger. Then anger can go outward and get me in all sorts of trouble. I must be in the Word of God. I must be in the Word of God daily, as I said. And part of that is waking up in the morning, 
I surrender to you. I offer myself to you. I, then I get into the Word. I read the Word. Then each and every night, back to it. How was the day? An inventory. I must be in prayer because I can't do this. I can't. I can't overcome this anger in my own life. I can't, under, I can't overcome frustration in my own life. I must be in fellowship with each one of you. That's a huge part of this. I must be in church. I must be in fellowship. There's accountability. There's me saying, I'm here. I'm dealing with this. Pray for me. I just thank you all. You know, as a, so many of you, I know it's, we're a small church. I know many of you very personally. And I, most of you, probably if you know me personally, have seen it in my life. It's not like, I don't, I, my stuff's on, where they say you wear your emotions on your sleeve. That's me. There's not much, there's not much deeper in me. When you get to know me, that's it. It's all right there. Um, which is good, but some people, maybe, I don't know, but you get to know me and just pray for me on that. And I just, something I really need to address in my own life. I really do. And I don't know. I want to close this message with reading in Romans. We're going to turn to Romans 13, but also, as I mentioned earlier, I want to have a little bit of a time of prayer, just like five or ten minutes. There's a lot going on right now. Um, we know the situation in Myanmar or Burma has gotten a lot worse lately. Uh, we got a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ there, a lot of people there I want to lift up. We know the situation, we've been reading about the situation in Ukraine. You know, I thought I was actually going to go to Ukraine before I went to Burma. I spent quite a bit of time there. I've been there. I visited there. I have a lot of friends in Ukraine. And uh, I thought actually that's where I would go serve. And uh, the Lord sent me to Myanmar. So we need to pray for Ukraine. Uh, we have friends here in this body that are heading there right now. We have friends that you guys don't, that are already there right now. So we need to pray for that situation. Also, I want to pray, as most of you know, we're looking at a new location. Uh, right down the street, two minutes away, much bigger, much nicer. Um, but it's a big step. It's a really big step, and I want it to be from the Lord. So I ask if someone here could also just pray for that. So as we, uh, after we read this scripture, I'll pray. And I ask, you know, each of you, just pray as you're led. But there's kind of the three things going on right now. And then we'll continue to close with our worship from there. So I ask a few of you, please, just pray. I might even hand you the microphone, so don't get too startled. Um, but I ask each of you guys just to pray as you're led. But there are some of the things I think we really as a church that we need to come around and pray for. Um, there's just a lot going on right now and a lot of people dealing with it. So Romans chapter 13 is what I wanted to close, the scripture I wanted to close with. Verses 8 through 10. Romans 13 verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. It's amazing. Heavenly Father, as we wind down our service, Lord. We just want to come to You, Lord, as we see here that You've clearly spoken that our thoughts, our minds and our hearts, this anger, Lord, and frustration, these things that take place inside of our minds, Lord, they're sinful. And we're in the need of You, Lord. So, Lord, we thank You, Lord, that we see that I'm sure many people in here are not murderers, Lord. Maybe some are. But, Lord, we each, Lord, have experienced anger. And Lord, through that, we have broken Your law. Through that, we are in the need of a Savior, Lord. That Savior is Jesus Christ. 
So Lord, we thank You, Lord, for placing Yourself and allowing Yourself to be placed on that cross, taking our sins upon Yours, paying our sin debt, Lord. I thank You for that, Lord. And I just praise You. And Lord, each one of us, Lord, so often as we are missionaries and pastors and scholars and we can get pretty pious ourselves as these religious leaders did. But Lord, You could just bring it all back in this passage, Lord, that we're all the same. We're broken. We're wretched sinners, Lord, that You have saved. So Lord, I just pray, Lord, as many of us here I know have dealt with this, Lord, dealt with anger and frustration, Lord, that we would see it for what it is, Lord. It's the same as murder. In Your eyes, it's sin. So Lord, I just pray Your Holy Spirit would reveal each of us, Lord, and give us, empower us through Your Spirit, Lord. Just give us victory over this in our lives, Lord, that we would walk in joy. And Lord, as we experience different hardships as I've experienced the last few weeks, Your Scripture says clearly that we can leap through joy in times of persecution. And yet, I seem to turn to anger and frustration. So Lord, I just pray, Lord, that You, Lord, would do a wonderful work, a miracle in my life, Lord, and just transform me, Lord, and mold me and sanctify me into the person that You would have me be, Lord. And Lord, as I'm open and I'm front with everyone here, Lord, I just pray that each one of us, Lord, as brothers and sisters in Christ, can just come together as a fellowship and lift each other up, Lord, as we each struggle in their different ways. As in the next few weeks, Lord, we're going to go through some difficult topics, Lord. So Lord, I just pray for Your anointing on the message today and the ones to come, that Lord, we would just see victory in these things, Lord. Lord, I just praise You, Lord, and I thank You. I ask these things in Jesus' name.